Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. The Rugby World Cup from The Times. With Mark Suster. We'll be with you every week with the latest from the tournament, looking at the prospects for the home nations and the other big guns, of course, and reviewing all the action on and off the field. Find it at thetimes.co.uk or in iTunes. Thanks for joining me again uh, uh, for the uh, game podcast bonus. We've been getting some good feedback uh, about this format, and so hope you all like it. And uh, if you do like it, please hit us up either via the website or uh, or on Twitter. Um, I'm joined this week by uh, uh, by Julian Lawrence, um, Julian, uh, French journalist for uh, Le Parisien, and um, and also uh, something of a Paris Saint Germain fan. And I want to get into Paris Saint Germain here because. We have an issue here where you know this was the biggest spending club in Europe uh, uh, last summer. Uh, Qatari owners, wealthy Qatari owners. I, I, I don't think there, there's any other kind of, uh, of Qatari, <laughs> but wealthy ones. Um, can you describe a little bit, but before we get into what they've brought, sort of the situation, the image I have of Paris Saint-Germain is a club that basically kind of punches has punched below its weight in terms of the fact that you know it's the only show in town and a major wealthy major European capital like Paris has spent a lot of money in the past although never this much um, but was somehow has never been able to really put it together yeah yeah exactly you know last uh, French League title in 94 uh, semi-final of the Champions League in 95 against AC Milan a great team then with Ginola with you know uh, George Weha you know players like that Rai then arrived Leonardo played not long after that and then it was a long 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 and long and empty you know dark tunnel for the team it's funny you mentioned Paris because we're probably the only capital uh, in Europe to have just one professional like proper you know proper football club when you when you look at other you know big, big capitals uh, or even other cities in Europe they, they, they've got they've got two sometimes three even even more than that for London but Paris has always struggled to have another club that then PSG so all the attention of the capital is, is on that club and 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 it's been hard the last yeah since 94 really we've we've won some cups you know league cups and 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 French FA Cups, but but nothing great, and I, and I think the the, the it's, it was it was um, a, um, 
a sleeping beauty really that club that needed something happening they've spent money like you said before nothing worked we had a lot of managers nothing worked and they didn't need a, you know, a fresh start and if it happened with, with money then, then, then be it but why is that? Why is I mean, Paris Saint Germain was only founded as a football club in the early seventies. For those who don't know, there was a club there before, uh, a Racing Club, who who ended up going bankrupt in in the early sixties. For for nearly a decade, there was no professional uh, top flight football in in Paris at all. And we're not talking like you know at the turn of the century. We're talking about in the nineteen sixties. It just seems remarkable. I mean, Paris, after all, this this is the place where where, where FIFA was founded. This is the place where uh, the, the, the European, the European Cup. Cup was founded. Mm. This is the place where you know Escape to Victory, even though it wasn't actually filmed there, but it's meant to be there at at the Stade de Cologne, right? Yeah. That's where it happened. Uh, I mean. Why do you? Is it like a French thing, like, or is it a Parisian thing? We're a little bit too cool to like football. Yeah, it's a very Parisian. Let's thing. go and smoke Galois and. Yeah, you know, it's exactly that. It's, for, for a long time, football was not a big interest in the in the capital. Like you said, PSG was formed in 1970, so it's a very young club if you compare it to Arsenal, who is 125, uh, 25 years this, this this year for example you know PSG is a very very young club and yeah. it was because of that the, the the city was not a city made for football initially and well, now it's becoming I'm curious a bit, though about Paris as a city though this is a um possibly the most cosmopolitan um you know Europe major city in Europe so it's not just the Parisians, but you've got so much immigration from from, from different parts of Africa, from from different countries, from from other European uh, countries where football is is very very big. How did that not translate? Or why did that take time to translate into you know major support for a major club? Was it that the immigrants kept supporting their clubs from back home, or yeah, they they were not playing too much football. You know, don't forget that Paris was hit a lot, you know, by the two wars, obviously, and and when. And when football in England was developing quickly, football, you know, in the north, the north of France, from Paris and above, struggled a bit in all those years. You know, the the forties, obviously, then the fifties, the sixties as well, be- because there was other things to to think about, and football was not okay, the priority. Okay, when Nicola Nelka is is growing up in in Versailles, um, outside Paris, presumably, he and people of his generation. You know, even though if the the cool like Parisians from ten generations are too cool for football, people like Anelka and and his ilk would be. Into yeah, but but when he, when he grew up, you know, he was born in '78. When he grew up, that's when PSG started to be good. We were talking before the show with with Paddy. That's when Gerard won the first league title. You know, I, I think it was 1984. So that was that that was the years with Luis Fernandez where they're starting to build a, a big team, and that that became a massive club. And and people like Anelka, like Thierry Henry, like all those kids who were born in Paris or in the Paris area starting following that that club because it, it got big at that time but before that you know it, it was it was nothing it was built from nothing and 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 yeah and then you know that's why that's why that generation only from then you know people starting following the club but before that it was there was nothing there why is Marseille different or Marseille or, or Saint-Étienne or be- you know because Mar- beds like because Marseille is, is a Mediterranean city and he's got the, the Italian spirit in it and I love this football forever and it's a very old club it's, you know it's more than, than 100 years and and, and and he came from Italy and you know all those Italian immigrants came, who came to to, to Marseille and, and also to Saint-Étienne and to that part of, of, of the Alps brought the football with them Paris didn't have any Italian immigrants at all and, which and is why it was rubbish at football whereas the Italian immigrants who came to Marseille taught Zinedine Zidane and Samuel Nasri how to play the game no basically. but it's true and and 
<laughs> paddy points were about Laos. Uh, the immigration in Laos was more from, from Poland and that Eastern European and, and they brought some great players like Ramon Coppa and, and people like that. But in Paris, either they, you know, there was too much of a melting pot to make football the priority for everybody. We was in Marseille, you know, and it still is the only sport in Marseille. Was in Paris, you've got loads of different sports in, in top divisions in France. But football in Marseille was different than football in Paris. Uh, going back to, to Paris, as you read right now, some of the challenges that they're facing, obviously Javier Pastore at 40 million, you know, the, the big signing, but he's surely not the only one. Jeremy Menez, Salvatore Sirigu, um, uh, Blaise M- M- Matuidi. Uh, so, uh, Kevin Gamero, of course. So, they brought in all these players. I One thing I wonder about is how are they going to make this work in terms of uh, financial fair play and also France's own internal version of it, the DCNG uh, as yeah, well. DNCG, yeah. Yeah, DNCG. Um, is, is that a concern? Like, do they have to just roll the revenue massively immediately? Yeah, and I think they they rely on the the Qataris uh, owners now to to balance the books, to to bring money. But you can't do that with financial. No, you can't. You can't. But for the DNCG, as long as they don't have any debts, which is the case at the moment, it, at least in France, they'd be fine. So they can write a check. But in yeah. terms of the other Frenchmen at UEFA, they could <laughs> run into a problem. Yeah, it could. I think it could. I don't think they, they I don't think they're thinking about that at the moment. At the moment they're thinking about okay, let's make a big impression as early as we can on the pitch and then we see what happens with financial fair play and everything else. You know, it's a new project with loads of new people like Leonardo and loads of new players obviously. And I think they're just fo- focusing on the pitch now and they're doing it well because you know they're obviously doing very well in France. So they're focus- focusing about that right now and then they think about the rest. I'm sure they find a way. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain's uh, stadium, the, the, the Parc de Prince, is kind of cool because it's right next to the Périphérique, the, the Ring Road, which I think is right next to the stand. Yeah. Um, but it is, uh, what, 42,000, 44,000? 45, yeah. 45,000-seat stadium. For a massive club and a massive city, you know, you wonder if at some point you shouldn't be thinking of expanding. Is that something they might look at, or would they just, given that there is a giant, and I think actually really nice, 80,000 seat yeah. stadium, the Stade de France, is that something that, that's on the horizon? Yeah, today? there's no doubt they will end up there. I mean, the, the new owners, I've, I've mentioned it already, that at the moment, you know, it's all the Parc de Prince, because this is obviously the stadium, the fans love it there. Um, but for the Euro, to 2016 that would be in France the, the Parc de France would be refurbished so all of next season it would be closed so the whole of next season so 2012-2013 would be played at the Stade de France for PSG so then we'll have a first impression or a first indication at least of what's going to happen will the fans turn up there massively or not will we have 80,000 people for the Marseille game the Lyon game the Bordeaux games you know like that or will, will they snub the new stadium because this is actually not Paris you know it's Saint-Denis in the suburbs it's quite a long way from if you live in central Paris so it'd be a good indication and then I think after that depending on how that season goes at the Stade de France then they will probably make a decision sooner or later to probably go there because of the revenue ticketing will bring because it's obviously if you play in the Champions League and you play against Barcelona you know where is it much better to play at the Stade de France or at the Parc des Princes where you can have double the the fans so I think there's no doubt that they will end up there at some point especially if he works with the Qataris investment my final question I mean as a a Paris uh, Saint-Germain fan as well as obviously journalist um, given that they've had a, a bit of a stuttering start to the season things are picking up uh, picking up now uh, uh, Pastore seems to be hitting his stride as well mm. um, 
how do you see it? How do you see the season panning out? I mean, can we talk about you know maybe winning the Europa League already uh, this year and, and 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 winning the? I mean, is that where the bar has been set? Yeah, it, definitely. The the bar is Champions League qualification for next season, which I, there's no doubt they'll finish in the top three. I think they can win the league. I don't think they can win both the league and the Europa League. They, they, it would be one of them. I think they would definitely win something. In France, what you can see already is that someone like Pastore is just too good, even when he's not playing well. He's just too good. At some point, he will score a goal. He will do something because he's just so much above the rest of the players of the league, you know. And someone like Menez is a bit like that as well. Even when he's rubbish, he still makes a difference at some point somewhere. You know, that's that's how good you know those players are. And he's, you see them playing now. They're not playing as a team. They're playing as eleven individuals, just now and then doing their stuff and then it's enough to win the games I think they will improve a lot I think they get stronger and stronger I think they probably win the league not the Europa League but win the league and then we see they will take it from there they see that they probably will buy some more players their ambition is to win the Champions League you know they, 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 they're saying listen you know it might never happen but that's what we're aiming for and I think it's good to have you know massive ambitions even you know you might think that they look a bit stupid saying oh you know in the next 5 to 10 years we want to win the Champions League I don't think it's foolish you know I think you know they've got so much money they can definitely buy the right players to do it and then it's just about finding the right person in the right places so is Conroy the right manager for that level I don't think so I think at some point he would have to change would Carlo Ancelotti would be for example someone perfect I think he would be and then you know as long as they would make the right choices in the key places at the club then I think the future is really really bright well that's the challenge out there making Parisians fall in love with football softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.